you've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. It's Friday. Thank you for all the responses you're giving us, not only on the Topic Tuesday stuff and the, the car debate in general, but also the Wednesday podcasts that are the audio of the test drives. I know some of you are watching the videos, and so the audio feels like a repeat, but many of you are responding how much you like it. Thank you for doing that. Do us a favor, if you haven't already, rate and review the podcast. It helps us with our ratings. It helps other people find the podcast. We had our recent meetup in Philly, and you do not know the number of people that told me the way they found Everyday Driver at all as a brand is they were looking for an automotive podcast and they just looked up the best ones and that's how they found us. So if you guys don't rate, we don't stay in that uh, top five or so. And so we really appreciate that. That is very helpful. I am sitting here not by myself, but not with my normal co-host with Paul because Paul is driving all the crazy Toyota product in Dallas and Chance is here with me. Yeah, Paul's kind of lucky right now getting to experience all the new, the GR Corolla and the GR Cup 86 Cup. Yes. And all the madness that they've that, that new Lexus RX actually looks pretty nice. The Lexus RX is just a hatchback. Let, let's just call it's it. It's true. What it is. It, all it, just it looks lowered and it's it's more yeah. normal looking. It, it, to be it, honest, it, well, the Maw's gone. Yeah, that's crazy. I look forward to hearing. He he will debrief about all of that next Tuesday. I, all we're doing now is guesstimating off of the photos he sent. Uh-huh. But I do have to say, GR86 Cup car. That's is pretty cool. Really exciting. What do you think that's going to cost? I have no need for it. It'll probably be fifty. Oh, I'm thinking more like 70. It's a race car. We'll it's full-on no, race car. No, fair, fair point. It may be. Yeah, it may be as much as that. I, but but you compare it to, let's go buy the uh, Porsche uh, Cayman Cup car. Yeah. It's going to feel like a crazy Toyota bargain in comparison. Yeah. I don't Different know classes. What, but totally, yeah. yeah but yeah. I don't know what we could possibly do to get in one of those and have a purpose for it. I don't need one. I, I well, keep reminding myself we, I don't need one. We've got our GR86. What's mm-hmm. the difference? There you go. Yeah, there you go. There's, there's the through yeah. line. Somebody, somebody ship us one of those, Toyota. That'd be nice. That'd be very cool. So I'm very excited about that. I just want to hear about all the stuff he's driven. I'm excited about that. Uh, we also have a weird thing I want to talk about in a second that's happened with one of our press cars. But speaking of press cars, I had three blue press cars in my driveway the other day. It's the blue yeah. car syndrome. You know, the, the old joke, uh-huh. you never see a blue car until you buy a blue car, and then there they all are. I had three in my driveway, three totally different blues. We had the Golf R that had just arrived in blue, the new Nissan Z in blue that was just leaving, uh-huh. and then, of course, our crazy Neptune blue GR86. So it was three cars, not only blue, but different blues. Yep. Lots of shooting going on on all of those cars. The the Golf R, just so you know, is not being compared to the Z or the GR86. I just want to put that out there. All you were missing was Paul's Cayman. You're right. I should have. Yes, that would have been funny. That would that would have been. I should have pulled them over all over here. And then we recently had a, the latest Toyota 4Runner in what? Did, what do they call that green? Lime Rush. Lime Rush. Because Toyota's doing this thing forever now, like the last ten years or so, where they aren't updating their trucks because people love them like they are, uh-huh. but they're giving one year only colors. Yeah, and so when you bump into the Toyota truck mafia, and that's a thing, they can oh you oh you have the O four because you have sand or army, army green, green or, or whatever it is that whatever, was the yeah. only one year thing. And Paul and I were barely in the Forerunner, and Chance, who drives a lot of our press cars, thankfully for us as well, you get to do the review on this one because you drove it a lot. I did drive this one a lot. I had it for about basically the full week. You had really. it for most of the week, yes. Part of it was because a mistake I made in losing a car key. 
but we'll not talk about that. That was not, but that was not the, the, the <laughs> that press wasn't car, the car key, by the way. But no, but that was my own car key. The, yeah, exactly. That was a thousand dollar mistake. Later, uh, we were filming, and a car key fell. The only car key to my wife's Mazda three fell out of my pocket somewhere in the mountains. Nothing's better than that being your wife's car. That's that's yeah, the best the, part the of that story. The first time I drive it to work in Park uh-huh, City, fifty uh-huh. miles away from home. Yep. And it's stuck on Paul's driveway and had to have it towed to the dealer 45 miles away. Oh, man. Buy two keys at once, have those replaced. And yeah, that was, that was, a, that was a fun couple of days figuring that out. Yeah, that was the, uh, yeah. That was a Plus, surprise. It's, it was a brick in the driveway for a couple of days. But the upside was you were driving the Forerunner even more. I had the Forerunner, which was nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Go I on. was glad to have that. Um, but yeah, it was in that, that great lime grush green. Mm-hmm. I, I personally like that color. I don't know what you feel about it. But. I mean, I, I think it's great because I like that it's unique. Yeah, it's kind of uh, a, if you haven't seen it before, it's like a sour apple metallic mm-hmm. kind of it's color. It's almost a Mountain Dew color, yeah. almost. It's almost yeah, yeah. like, I'd like my car in Mountain Dew, please, and there it is. Yeah, so it's TRD Pro V6, 300 or 260, I didn't look at the numbers for the specs. The thing that has almost been updated, but, but not quite. They're slowly, yeah. at, at the, Paul's at the Sequoia launch right now, they're slowly updating the very long in the tooth Toyota truck lineup and they haven't gotten to Forerunner yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, so this one's a TRD Pro, which mm-hmm. is their top tier. Yep. It's got the Fox shocks, the knobby tires and the skid plates and the roof rack and all these things. Uh, it was $53,000, which in mm-hmm. which is it sounds like a lot, but when you, when you look at the, you know, the Broncos and the Roop Wranglers and things, it's yes. on par with those. You're so right it is. You're right it is, yeah. That's just the crazy market we live in these days, I guess. I mean, I love driving it around. I went and found some mud in the mountains with the hey, spring mud. runoff and had some fun. Got did a little f- muddy. Did you feel it has the same ergonomic issues that the Tacoma suffers with? What do you mean? Well, the Tacoma is is a surprisingly low seating position with your legs kind of strangely out in front of you, even though you're in a truck. And it's just, the Tacoma's never been quite right for ergonomics. It's okay. bulletproof. It looks cool. It's been around forever. The engines are awesome. But the, the ergonomics are not great. How do you feel in the Forerunner? I felt okay. My problem is usually legroom in uh-huh. most cars. I have a 36 inch engine. You have long, long legs, but, yes. Um, I, I felt pretty comfortable. And okay. fair, it felt fairly normal to me, but I, I, I don't think it's really as bad as the Tacoma either. So but I was curious. Well, I think if it had been bad enough, you would have noticed, though. True. I'm in the Tacoma for 10 minutes and it bugs me. True. Yeah, so, fair yeah. enough. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I drove it up in the mountains. Uh, daily drove it through the on the highway. Even yeah. it gets terrible gas mileage. Uh-huh. I think I was averaging seventeen to the gallon. Ooh, yay! I put twenty bucks in to drop it off at your house from my place, which is again about fifty miles, and it, the gas light came on. It and barely that, made that, it. That, it, it, was, it. It was it was close. It kicked its its way into the driveway. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. Yeah. So gas mileage terrible. Um, but I overall I liked it. It reminded me a lot of my. The Cherokees that I grew up with, but that my, my sure. dad had. Sure, it's similar in scale and size and feel and what it's about, the noise it makes, and I mean, it's not the same kind of capabilities. It's a little different in that regard. Sure, but, sure. But you know, if you're if you're into the overlanding thing, that's perfect. Yeah. I, this I even is, told my dad and my both my parents actually. I was like, when you guys re- finally replace your Cherokee, I think this is what you need to get. Okay, there you go. That's definitely the buyer for it. The thing I think is interesting is this is the fascinating thing about truck buyers in general. And I, and I'm, I realize I'm generalizing, but but once a truck is good, it's not supposed to ever change it. Uh, yeah. Once, once and the I, engine's I get, reliable, I get why. it's just don't, don't ever change Sell this for the next 20 years. Of course, nobody really does that. But Toyota's getting close. All of their lineup is is like 15 years old in trucks. Yeah. So they're they've, just they've not getting around to it. They've been kind of keeping up with the interior 
Tech kind, kind of, kind of, kind of. They get they, a few years back when they're like, this really is old. They'll slap a new screen in it. But uh, the Tacoma and the Forerunner still remain to be seen. Again, yeah. the Sequoia has just been released, and Paul has a video coming up on that very soon. So I'm glad you got to drive this a lot. Uh, we have um, we have two car debates. Sorry, what my, my biggest complaint with it, oh, honestly, please. was I, I didn't see it on the Monroney, but I know there's a TRD exhaust option for oh. it, and it didn't sound that great. It was interior drone, the mm. noise at that. I mean, I have a loud car. Yeah, you do. But, but it was bothering me. It was just, this is just a bit much. If so if, if it had that... So mm. I know the press cars sometimes get those exhausts after the fact, um, but yeah, just skip the seven hundred fifty bucks <laughs> and just leave the normal exhaust on it. We're, we're helping you out here, folks. One of the things we actually talked about this on a shoot recently. We talked about exhaust noises, and we may as well jump there right now because you had a question you wanted to deal with on that. But yeah. the thing I think is interesting is exhaust is one of the things that we as enthusiasts always want to run to. And I've said this before: I have done exhaust on three different vehicles, and I have regretted it on all three. But the more I really kind of unpack that, because there's been certain people online and elsewhere who are like, wait a minute, if you're a car person, you have to get a different exhaust because you can't hear, the, can't hear the stock exhaust. I do understand that. Yeah. And what I feel like when I think back on the cars I put exhausts on, this was the, uh, let's see, the, the Lotus has one, which I wish I had the stock one, but whatever. The Lotus has one. The, um, the FRS had one, yep. an aftermarket exhaust. And my original 300ZX had one. Yeah. And what I realized in all three cases, kind of reflecting on what and I did, the, like, uh, the Lancer had one. The Lancer had one too. Earlier had four. a terrible oh, one. That, yeah. yes, that was okay. really bad. That it sounded bad. great mm-hmm. outside, inside. But, oh, but this is the key. This is the key thing: is that I feel like all of those exhausts, when the car went by, and you weren't driving, you're like, "Oh, that sounds better. That's yeah. so good." Yeah. But then the driver's like, "Ow, I don't like this. This all across the board. I I didn't like it as much as a driver." And I feel like, look, I'm glad you like my car and you think it sounds cool, but it's not for you. Yeah. So this well, is I've, why I can't seem to do I've, it anymore. We've seen that that loud GT3 RS that shows up to Cars and Coffee once in a while. Yes, it's painful. Pink and, painful. And it's straight piped and it's crazy loud. It sounds really good, but it's crazy loud. And every it time sounds, I see the driver, he's mm-hmm. got earplugs in. Well, and it sounds really good from three blocks away. That car is yeah, genuinely that too loud. really loud. Even outside the car is too loud. If we're like three blocks away, that car's like, what's coming? And then it gets to the parking lot and next to you, you're like, you know what? No. Yeah. Please, please turn that off. Yeah. yeah, and some of the some of the cars we get for our reviews, they're they're not always stock when people say they are because they have exhausts on them, which yeah, you know, yeah, fair yeah. enough. They don't yeah. do that much, but noise typically. Yeah, typically. Some yeah. of them sound really good, like the uh, the GT three fifty, the first one we had. Mm-hmm. That one had the resonators deleted on it, and it sounded amazing. It did sound really good, and yes. it sounded mm-hmm. just fine inside. It, it was loud, sound, yeah, but it was yes. it was doable. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And we've had other cars. It's like yeah, that's not not. You know, let's let's kill that one for sure. Well, I mean, that's the thing when when it creates so much noise in the cabin, and maybe I've, I'm spoiled of this reality, but I keep thinking about I have to sit here and do a review, and yeah. you, you, the audience, have to hear me. Well, another example that Daytona Coupe we had, yes, sounded amazing going by. But holy cow, was that thing yes. loud? That's a, that's the perfect example because that that review we had to go to subtitles in some places for you to even yeah. know what Paul and I were saying. And yeah. our mics do a pretty good job. I mean, we've used our mics in race cars. Okay, right. <laughs> so, 
So they could deal with a lot. But that car was entirely too much, and that is the only review we've ever done. If you ever watch that piece, that's our, our fake fun piece. That was the uh, the actual kit car versions, if yep. you will, of the Daytona Coupe and the 356 Speedster. The thing about that is that's the only review we've ever actually worn earplugs on camera visibly because it was so loud. But you're right. That was the thing. Coming down PCH, like a half mile away, you're like, what's coming? That sounds cool. And then you got in and it went, ow. Yeah. Yeah, I remember driving that on the way back and I uh, got back into town when the, it's a little quieter in town because you're not up in the revs yes. quite as much. Yes. Pulled the earplugs out just to experience it. And oh, that was, a lot, that, was, that was a bit much. <laughs> that was the For mistake. me, even, that was a bit much. <laughs> <laughs> Summer is back. Temperatures are warming up. What you need to do is be prepared by protecting your vehicle with a custom-fit dash mat or sunscreen from our friends and long-running supporters, Covercraft. Dash mats are available in a variety of attractive fabrics and colors and will keep your dashboard from being cracked by the sun. And sunscreens will help you reduce those interior temperatures and help keep the sun off the interior surfaces too. When you're shopping at Covercraft.com, remember to use the code EVERYDAY22 to get a 10% discount and it ships for free. You can follow the link from our sponsors page or go directly to Covercraft.com for high-quality covers that keep your car protected and looking its best through all the summer months. We have two great car debates coming up. Uh, we've got one first from Travis writing into us from Houston. He has a, a lot of Land Rover love we have to talk through. Yeah. So we're going to get there. And also Trenton is writing into us with, uh, with his 19-month-old son, and he's trying to figure out how to make him a car guy. Maybe. Might be a bit ahead of the ahead of the curve there, Jasper. But we're going to circle back around to that. Yeah. First off, we've got to start with this huge, huge email from Travis out of Houston. He is looking for a family fun hauler, but the key thing here is his daily driver is a 2011 Land Rover LR4. Now, I need to stop there real quick and say two things. First off, the LR4 became the LR4 because the Discovery was so wildly unreliable that they decided they couldn't put that name on the next yeah. generation. Yeah. So the third-gen Discovery became the LR4 because they didn't want to go Discovery again because people knew what was coming. And his and you know, every time I see one, it's like, hey, there's a dis- no, it's not a Discovery, it's an LR4. Yes, his description of his 2011 Land Rover LR4 is that it's currently not on fire. I saw that. <laughs> wow. That's- and his next one, he says he's got an 84 Land Rover 90. Mm-hmm. Also not currently on fire. Well, that's good news. The, the, the 90s are those cars that just, man, the people that have them love them so much. And That's the Defender, if you, if you yes. don't know. And it's, it's one of those where every year they've increased in value no matter what you did. Yeah. The 90s. Now, his, as a result, his 90 is going nowhere. He will probably keep that forever. They will probably outlive him. I don't know if they'll outdrive him. It might not be driving right now, but he will be in his family forever. His minister of finance, his lovely wife, Julie, is in a 2022 Toyota 4Runner. Hey, we just talked about those. Yes, absolutely. So she actually really likes that. They got it for MSRP. They traded in her old 4Runner for more than it was worth, because of course they did in this market. Yeah. And as a result, they got a 2022 Toyota 4Runner, which again, we, we do like. There's lots of things to like about it, but it is old school, which is probably part of the reason she likes it. It's their newest car. And it's still like 10, 15 years old in tech, which I find kind of funny. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> so he's got the 2011 LR4 that probably needs to go because uh, he's, he's a car guy. He's been a car guy forever. He learned to drive stick on his dad's 1992 BMW 318i. That's the, the notch back, the little Manx cat. No, 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 it? that's 92. That's an, e, that's an E30. 
Oh, you're right. That's, that's it is. a very late E30. You're right. It is. I'm thinking of the later 318. You're right. That okay. Good. An E30. Perfect. Yeah. So he cool learned car. to drive stick on that, and then he was at college at Texas A&M, and he was in their Formula SAE racing team, which introduced him to lots of racing. Yeah. Lots of car. That's love. a cool program, by the way. Very cool. Very cool. He was in the army for a while, and uh, and that's uh, he got his return his dream vehicle after returning from Afghanistan. Man, thanks for your service over there. He yeah, got seriously. the Land Rover Defender when he got back from Afghanistan, and he has. Kept that running. That's He's been an education. He's replaced lots of things. <laughs> he's, For, I, I don't know what's left to replace. Yes. Other than things he's already replaced. Yes, when it breaks the next time. We're, yeah. we're on to the second cycle. He's at, you're absolutely right, man. So he says, life has moved on. He now has two energetic boys, ages five and three. Congrats on that. But um, <clears throat> it's time to probably move on from the LR4 to something that is a little more, let's say, family-friendly and a little more... Um, New and reliable? That'd be yeah. good. The yeah, budget, yeah. he claims, is $60,000, but he is aware of the fact that Paul always pushes the budget. He's aware of the fact that most big SUVs for families are seventy grand or Especially above. Newer, yeah. yeah, so he's aware that there may be up to $10,000 worth of wiggle room. So let's be honest. If Paul were sitting there, Chance, he'd be, he'd be shopping at eighty. That's true. That's really how <laughs> not wrong. he did. We'd just be shopping at 80, but I'm going to try to do better than that. So they've been driving along. The must-haves here are... Has to seat six. Now, he doesn't mind if the kids have to get into tiny little back seats, but and this is... The reason's because, was the in-laws live the down in-laws. the street? Yes, he has the boys, and the in-laws are now down the street. So regularly, they are six people headed to dinner or an event or a movie or whatever, and so having six actual seats that everybody can get their own is very, very important. Yeah. So that, that's a major requirement here. He uh, doesn't want an electric car, and no. he needs it to be reliable. He's also in Houston and says the roads are garbage, so it needs to be good over bumps. Um, have a commanding seating position because he loves to look over that long hood of his LR4. So we're not selling you a sports car is what you're saying. There won't, yeah. be, there won't be any sedan shopping here. Yeah, He's also gotten used to the uh, the Land Rover build quality, the interior build quality, so he wants something that kind of is up there with that as well, which is you know generally luxurious and nice. That is one thing about those. My wife has a, uh, an ongoing love for Land Rover products because of the tank-like feeling. You yeah. climb up in a Range Rover or a Land Rover and you close the door and the door has a one. Look, I'm not a door person, but apparently my wife is. We know Paul is. We know Paul is. You, you pull the door closed. It has that nice resounding thunk. Mm-hmm. And everything it's in the material solid. is just, it's nice. It's, and, and Land Rover does something that nobody else has pulled off as well. And that is their interior, when you sit in it, simultaneously feels really luxurious and very rugged. That's true. Most of the time, you get in, some, you get in a luxury SUV, and the first thought I have is, yeah, I don't, but I don't want to get this dirty. Yeah. Because this is really nice in here. GLS. Yes, absolutely. But you get into a Land Rover, and you think, this is really nice in here. Let's get mud on it. I can wash this out. I don't know why they're able to do both, because the, the funny thing about the Jeep or even the Bronco is as you get to the upper trim of those, and we've driven them all, you get the other tr- upper trim of those, you start to go, yeah, but do I want this to be nice? You start to question the nicety. Yeah. But then you get into the like the GLS is a perfect one. You get in the GLS and you know that it, it's designed to go every, anywhere. But you're like, yeah, but don't get it. Dirt. Don't put the dog in here. Yeah, three the and Land, five year olds. The Land Rover does both so so well, and yeah. I, I do appreciate, in spite of the um, how do I say this nicely, the questionable, possibly on fire reliability. 
The in- they, they are better than they used to be, but they're still down yes. at the bottom of the barrel. That is true. More often than not. The yeah. interior is a place where you kind of can't go wrong when you climb into a Land Rover product. You just go, yeah, I like this. And I, they do look nice. Even the Evoke, when they when, you know, that was their bottom one for a while, even got that and was like, this is great to be uh-huh. in. So Agreed. I totally get that. He's very concerned when interior panels are bad. He wants all those interior amenities, as, as uh, by the way, and you've become a person who knows about new things because of your wife's forerunner ca- uh, apple carplay dual climate rear screens those are things <laughs> yeah. that are not in your current cars yeah uh, he says uh, for his drive homework they recently did a road trip from texas to florida and they rented a 2021 suburban it was great on the road fit six just easily full yeah. of luggage all yeah. that um, didn't have the big engine or air ride but it still drove nice with acceptable power it also had those modern Amenities like CarPlay yes, and heated seats and all that. Yeah. We've driven them on our test drive channel, and they're excellent. He's also recently driven the 2021 Ford Expedition, says similar things about it. Um, was not really impressed with the interior features or build quality, though. Um, so there was some rattles and things like that. Um, let's see. He did this was say, a really long email. It's <laughs> yeah. a huge email. He did say about the Suburban. I thought this was very interesting. He said it was great. He really... Th- Felt like the Suburban was was the ultimate choice. And what's funny is when I first read this email, Travis, I got through all of your requirements and I thought, you know what you need is a Suburban or a Tahoe. And then you got down to driving a 2021. And the thing that is the one curveball here, as you said, the interior features were there, but the build quality was poor because a few of the plastic trim pieces were already loose and sitting in the cargo area when you picked up the vehicle. Now. Uh, the, I missed the, that part, I guess. The, the big thing I want to say about this, Travis, is you were in a rental true Chevy Suburban. True. No one has been nice to that vehicle for five minutes. No. And so what I find hysterical is the fact that the missing trim pieces were in the hatch, which means they came off and somebody thought, well, we can't like drop them off the side of the road. We're going to throw them in the hatch. And nobody at the rental place even bothered. That's what I love about that story. They weren't like, <laughs> we should put those back. They're like, oh, if they came out, we're leaving them. This is the problem of a rental. Now, it doesn't mean that might not still happen. Yeah. But I, I really attribute that more than anything to being a rental than I that do is true. on this is a Chevy Suburban. That is true. Rentals are beat on a lot more than everything else. This, the, look, Paul's not here, so I'll, I'll tease him for a minute. No rental front-wheel drive car that's not meant to be driven fast ever wants to be rented to my friend Paul Schmucker. <laughs> because <laughs> I, think, I think if he could rent something that was actually enthusiast, he'd probably be nicer. There's something yeah, maybe, about maybe. the front-wheel drive terribleness that we sometimes get in at the rental counter. He wants to leave that He's got parking a vendetta. Lot. We leave that parking lot smoking. I like, remember, I, fr- I think it was in San Francisco. No, where, I don't remember where it was. Somewhere in California. No, it was in uh, Washington. Okay. We got in, in some press car, or not a press car, a rental car. Yeah. It was an SUV of some sort, some boring thing. Mm-hmm. And it, the parking garage had one of those spirally things. Yes. And the whole way down, just leaving the parking garage, it was just tire squeal. Complete tire squeal. To the point that the Chance and I were both going, okay, 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 <laughs> lay off, because we're starting to get a little sick. It was. This is Paul in a rental vehicle. So you can imagine what the average person that rents a Suburban and throws all their family in is doing. Yeah. They're, they're, you're practically tossing suitcases toward a rental Suburban. Yeah. So I'm not surprised it's beat on. But on yours, don't care. Well, anyway, Travis says, uh, do I go with the Suburban or Tahoe? Do I wait a few years to get the kinks worked out of the new Sequoia? Does he sell a kidney and search for a Durango SRT Hellcat? Well, I looked; those are actually still over a hundred grand. So good, good luck on that one. You may have to sell both kidneys, and then you have different issues. Yeah, yeah. 
Does he wait for the new Defender 130? Uh, is there some other answers? GLS? Uh, what are your thoughts? The, um, I'm going to go there. The Defender 130 is unattractive. The new Defender 130, it, it, it has the Wagoneer problem or okay. the Cherokee L problem. What is going on in car design that we decided, and I'm not the design guy, clearly. We decided it's okay that if you want a longer version, I'll just make the back longer. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm just going to make the back longer. It's, it's like it's like the the tired guy that needs coffee in the design department. Like you want the back longer with the yeah, there it is back longer. It the proportions are terrible. They don't look attractive. This is true of the the Wagoneer. It's true of the Cherokee L, and I think it's true of the Defender yeah. One Thirty. What is going on? The One Ten looks pretty good. Yes, I agree with that. It does look good, and it, it references back to the old stuff that you've got here, Travis. It references back really well, and everybody that drives the Defender really likes it. I get it. There's some questionable things for me about the styling, but whatever. I I think it's a great throwback design. The 130 yeah. is just well, just make the back longer, <laughs> which is I don't think that's worth it, man. I really don't like that, but whatever. Um, I do think that the Tahoe Suburban is your front runner here. Yeah, take your budget, shop a couple years old, get the best one you can with all the features that you want. It will. I I fully believe it will be more reliable and cheaper to maintain than your Land Rover. True. I also fully believe that if you drive that for a few years, you're going to wonder why the interior isn't as nice as your Land Rovers were. I think you're in a, in a tough spot here, man. I don't yeah. think the interiors are going to age as well as the Land Rover interiors do. But I do like the updated Tahoe and Suburbans that they're doing right now from a couple of years ago. We've driven it. Again, watch our test drive channel. The interesting thing that Chevy finally did is that the Escalade looks like a different interior. Yes. Generations prior, the Very Escalade just different. looked like a leathered version of the Tahoe or Suburban. Now, the Tahoe and Suburban has a much improved interior. Yeah. But the Escalade then is, looks like it's a different. They did a good job of hiding it that it's the same one. But the current Suburban Tahoe is excellent. I think you should definitely look at that. Uh, see if you can get the air ride because I think you'll like it. It'll make a big, big difference, think, yeah. I, we, we've driven it with and without, and it's you're right. It's not bad without, but the air ride, I think it was the, what was it? It was the recent Tahoe, I think, that we had that was on the Test Drive channel that had it. We were very impressed, and we've had it on the Escalade as well. If you can get the air ride, I would absolutely stretch your budget if that's the thing it gets you into. I think that's a front runner. There are options here, Travis, but I don't know how much you're going to like them. That's kind of where I'm at too. Most of my options are a little smaller. Um, I kind of went away from the the truck platform, but mm-hmm. still kept within the the crossover SUV land with the third row. Sure, yeah. Um, the the hard part is, I mean, keeping like you said with the Land Rover build quality and luxury, you've got three and five year olds. That's going to get sticky and messy and gross. Completely. And yeah. There's that. And you're going to want the third row because they're three and five. In two years, they're not going to be able to squeeze into the same seat. Yeah, the, the going, going are going to, to the dinner become a lot more questionable as as they get bigger. You're right. Yeah, so my my top two choices, uh, I think the Kia Telluride would be a great option. Love that one. They're, That's on my list as they're, well. Uh, they're, they've got that long hood feel and all mm-hmm. that. Really nice. Um, it's also well within your budget. Yes, for you'll sure. You'll be able to save some money that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Genesis GV80. Yeah. Similar. Also it's, a third row. It's a very uh, small third row, but it is a third row. The one we had didn't have a third row. I think there's an option. It's an available serves. third row, yes. Yeah, it isn't a big one. Mm, yeah, that's those. That, those are, are those are the upper end of your budget. But they're they're hard to find. They'll be nice like the, the Range Rover, Land mm-hmm. Rover stuff. Um, you can also, I don't think it's the right play, but I, I see where you went there. But the GLSs, you can get in your budget. 
There's a lot of them in your budget. Now, that's a good point. The GLS, the current one, but not the big AMGs. Get the right. base one. And watch our original base test drive on that. We had a red one that was the base model. Yeah, the 480 and or And we were never it driving it going, yeah, this is underpowered. We've, no. Look, we drove the base Tahoe, and we're like, where's the big engine? Right. We drove the base Mercedes GLS, and we're like, this actually feels pretty great. Because it has that 48-volt assist thing that actually helps move that, that thing. Mm-hmm. You're right. If you got into a base one of those... I think he would be. I hadn't thought, gone to that. I, I saw those as low as forty-eight, with that's, miles, and there, there's probably some things going on really there. But good, there was though. several in the sixty thousand range. That I hadn't gone there. That's really good to go to the base, the, the lower levels of that because they're still pretty good. Yeah, go mm-hmm. on. I also thought, uh, what about the Broncos? Not nearly yeah. the same build quality. But it's no. got the rugged feel. It's still going to have enough room, maybe. Mm. Um, I mean, how often do you go to dinner with the in-laws? You can, how far away are you going? You can take two cars. Can we do, is there a third, what's the third row option on the Bronco? I don't know. I forgot to look I, that one up. I don't, I don't think I, there is one. I don't think there is one. So yeah, you are, the in-laws will meet you at dinner, which is yeah. not, hey, that's actually not the be- the worst idea ever, but I do understand no. the need. Yeah. And then the last one, you, you mentioned the Durango track or uh, Hellcat. You can't get those. Those are out of reach. Yeah. But you can get the Jeep Trackhawk. Same engine, a little smaller. You don't oh, get the third row. No third row but there They're, they're yeah. uh, just over 60. They're between 60 and 70, so uh-huh. it's going to stretch a little bit. But you okay. can get those in your budget, too. That's a lot That's a lot of car. Wow. Okay. Uh, th- those are very good. I've got a couple of things that struck me, and then I have one thing, Travis, that you're really not going to like, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. Because uh, Julie, your, your minister of finance, might like it. But I'm going to bring it up. Um, okay, first off, I, I like your Telluride, Chance. I think that's excellent. Uh, if you're going to look at the Telluride, some people are having trouble getting a Telluride, finding it at market value, et cetera. True. The play there is go Palisade. Go Hyundai Palisade. Yeah. It's the same. It's got different styling and stuff, so you may not like it as much. I, I don't like it as much, but it is still really good, and they are refining that styling to make it better. The interior could be argued as actually being nicer, though. Yes. In the Palisade. They're the same prices. So look at look at those sister cars and see which ones you like. You are a Toyota guy. You need to look at the Highlander. Interesting. That is a, that is a CUV platform, an SUV CUV platform. So it's not body on frame, which is the stuff you prefer. I realize that. But watch our Highlander reviews. It's really, really, it really well good. done in this yeah. space. It's very good. You could even get the hybrid, get yourself some de- uh, one car in your lineup that gets good gas mileage. True. Or at least better gas. Better anyway. The hybrid version of that is surprisingly good because how much it assists in just making that feel powerful, even though specs-wise, it isn't. Yeah. So we, we are a big fan of the Toyota Highlander. Drive that one as well. Uh, I have a wild card I really like for you as a car enthusiast that does stretch your budget, but I don't know if it's big enough. It's big enough right now, but I don't know if it's big enough. Yeah. We just that was drove the, it. That was the hard part. The Acura MDX Type S. See, I thought that one, but I remember the back seat. Granted, I'm tall, yeah. but the back seat legroom wasn't that great. The back seat is for kids. True. And that's what I'm thinking. You could get away with that because this is going to give you, it, it's, look, it's something that I want my wife to drive as a possible Cayenne replacement when we shop for the next one. Because I really liked it. It was very impressive. The dynamics are really good. It's got good styling. It is smaller than what you're used to, but it still has the big hood feel. And it has the dynamics that you aren't getting out of a car are kind of in that. Yeah. Compared to the rest yeah. of the stuff in your garage, it's in, the, it's I mean, in there we, big time. We were doing things with that car that we shouldn't have been doing. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> we, we got a lot of dynamics out of it. It, it, was, it is kid-worthy back seats, not adult-worthy, but that's yeah. the step you're on. Yeah. So that is my wild car that I think you might like because with seventy grand in your pocket, you could go find one. You True. absolutely could. Brand new. So accurate... Uh, 
uh, MDX Type S. And then, uh, Travis, Julie, I'm sorry. I have to go here because the things you're requiring, decent ride on Houston roads. You're not off-roading this thing. Decent no. rides on Houston, Houston roads, commanding seating position, good for kids, hauling the in-laws, hauling stuff around, getting better gas mileage, being reliable, that kind of stuff. You need to look at minivans. I'm sorry, man. Because you have trucks. That's the thing. Yeah. It's not like you don't have trucks. Your wife yeah. has the Forerunner. You have the Defender 90. You, you have trucks. You have truck cred. This, the whole email, in spite of the fact you're trying to avoid it, Travis, the whole email is, I need a family hauler. It's true. You're not wrong. And nothing is better at doing that than if, a minivan. You can't out minivan a minivan. You cannot. This is the crazy thing. I mean, we make fun of them. Everybody makes fun of them. They're, they're easy, low-hanging fruit in that regard. But the truth is, for what you, you're talking about... Backseat entertainment, Travis. Yeah. I'm sorry. Once you get that, we're just we're in a minivan, buddy. We are. So you need to drive. You're a Toyota guy. Drive the Toyota Sienna all-wheel drive. Sienna's good. Yeah. It comes in hybrid only. Is surprisingly good. The current Odyssey is good, and we really like the. I'm going to do it. The Carnival. Hey. Yes. Go watch that test drive because we get stupid in that test you drive. <laughs> but the Carnival is a, is a, 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 the Kia Carnival. Let's just go there. Is is it available in lots of different spec colors? Yes, tons of colors, tons of interior options. You could spec one out to exactly the stuff you're looking for and have a great warranty with it. And probably be well under budget. Probably. I know I'm talking minivans. It's not lost on me, Travis, but your whole email seems to have this blinking light on the side of, what about a minivan? So I have to at least go there, even though we've given you lots of other really good options. Summertime's here, and that means it is car wash season. And my friend Paul tells me I'm always supposed to wash a car in a cool, shady spot. I don't always do that well. But I do use the Brilliant Finish Foaming Sprayer, or actually I use the Boss Foam Cannon, from Griot's Garage. You have to use this. It's awesome. If you're a person like me who's not good at this, it makes it far easier. You create a high foam blizzard right in your driveway with little to no work, which I really like. You avoid wash-induced scratches. It is the safest way to wash your car. Try the Griot's Garage Foaming System complete kit today and see what the foam is all about. Griot's also has a full ceramic family of products, including Speed Shine, Wash and Coat, and 3-in-1 Wax. All Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all liquid products are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Trenton is also writing in. He is not actually writing in with a car debate. It's like a it's like a dad debate. Yeah. Did you notice this? It's I very did. Interesting. This is this is interesting. Yeah. He he's a longtime listener and and listens to the podcast regularly. Thank you so much. He says it's his first time writing in because we'd mentioned Mazda so many times. He thought I should go test drive the Mazda three, and he went in his Audi A four mm-hmm. to drive the current updated Mazda three. Hmm. And after he left the test drive, he just thought, I really like that Mazda. He couldn't shake it. The more he drove his A4, the more he's like, I need a Mazda. He bought a Mazda he 3. He bought one. Good he, he likes his A4, but he was just tired of the heavy maintenance efforts. Yeah, that, that's true. He's thrilled with the Mazda. He loves every mile of it. And he's thanking us for recommending Mazda so much because he wouldn't have ever considered it if he didn't listen to this podcast. So, uh, Trenton, I'm thrilled that you have that car and you like it. But the reason you're writing is this. You have a 19-month-old son. 19-month-old car enthusiast, he says. Yes. Jasper loves watching F1 and NASCAR more than any cartoon or cartoon movie. 
which is just awesome. It is really great. He's, so he said he's attached to the, the video. You don't have the video. We can show you right now, obviously. But of them watching NASCAR together, and he imitates the steering wheel and all kinds of stuff. I think this is awesome. And, yeah. But I want to acknowledge <clears throat> you're still in that part of parenting where you're counting by months. It's true. Your son is young, really, really young. And so what you're asking here is you want to know how to kind of embed him as a car enthusiast and you called your local go-karting place and they told you the minimum age was eight. I would have loved <laughs> no to have been on the other side of that phone call. The person that answered the phone to, to a dad calling them with a son under two going, how early can I start? Like four or five I can see, but 19 months. So, I, I, Trenton, what I love about this is that you are so excited about yeah. your son being a car person, being a car enthusiast. I love that. You're asking, how do you, how do you embed this? You said you could buy him one of those ride-on electric car toys. What else could you do? Have you seen the videos? You probably have, Chance, of the kids that drift those or do yes. the crazy parking maneuvers. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I, I'm always amazed by that. And, and what I wonder is what you never see is you never see the progression. You always see when they're doing their like-a-boss stuff and they're, you know, they're sliding it sideways and putting it in the perfect Yeah, how did they spaces. get there, though? I want to see what the first drive was like. Yeah. And how long did it take? Yeah. I had, I had a, a Power Wheels Jeep because of course, sure. Of course, you had a Jeep. It was, I was like, yeah. I don't know, five, six, so maybe younger than that. And I'd, I'd, uh, you, you could open up the hood on it and everything, and so the battery was to Love charge it. it. Love it, yeah. And uh, I would steal my dad's tools and throw it in the front because you know I had to mimic my dad working so, on the Jeep. Something, something's going to break. You got to yeah, fix the Jeep, right. right? I love it. That's so great. Well, I am from the era. Yes, I'm dating myself. I'm from the big wheel era. Mm. And boy, did we drift those. Because, <laughs> oh man, you could drift those like crazy because you could just throw the back out. It was so great. So, I, But I'd love to see that progression because kids adapt so quickly. Yeah. Once they get their balance, the stuff they can adapt to with their balance is shocking. And, and I swear, I remember this when, when my son was really little. When they don't have their balance, you're, you're sitting there as a parent going, get it together, man. Yeah. What I everything is this gangly thing and limbs are falling all over it. it try try to dress a one year old that can't stand up yet. <laughs> That's it, you're just dressing ooze. It's craziness. So nine, nineteen month old, he's already a huge car enthusiast. I think the electric ride on thing is cool, but I want to step you into this carefully because Trenton, the big thing I want to say that I want you to be careful of is don't force this. Don't no. force this because if you force it, at some point, I think it's going to snap back. True. It'll have the opposite effect of what yeah. you want. At some point, there will be the walk away. So give Jasper the space to love cars, but to not like cars. And I'll tell you, my, my son went through a phase, like most kids do, where cars didn't matter. And when he was when he was younger, cars didn't matter. What was really cool was trains. Trains were the thing. Of course, my dad, who's train obsessed inexplicably, was like, trains? What is this now? <laughs> he was really excited. <laughs> we started getting all these train train toys. But trains were the thing. Cars were like, eh, whatever. Have trains, seen, tractors, Dad, trucks. have you seen the train? And then we went through the construction phase after that. After uh-huh. trains, we went through construction. And I, and I knew because I knew other people that had young boys that had gone through the construction phase. And I was like, oh, well, this is where we are now. And all of our like, nighttime stories were construction stories. Uh-huh. It, we, were just, we were embedded in things that had shovels on the front. Right, Mike Steam Shovel. Totally, and I and I was, I was a little worried because I was like, but then I I did understand that that was a phase, and then it was after that we got really got to cars. I mean, like cars initially when he was really young it was like uh-huh. cars, and then cars went completely went away. Yeah. So Trenton, I want I want to encourage you to not stress if there's an ebb and flow here with cars. But the big thing I'm going to say to you is, just because it's worked for me, and that is, look, I am, I am car freak number one over here. I am fully embedded with the disease. So as a result, my son has naturally been in the proximity of cars. Yeah. 
and I want to recommend that to you, Trenton, is put him in the proximity of cars. He may decide he doesn't want to watch racing anymore. And you know what? That's okay. Yeah. I mean, he may keep watching, but he may be like, Dad, you watch the race. I don't care. Okay? Don't let that break your heart if that happens, because it will. Right. He'll say that, and he'll be like, okay. But when you start going to a Cars and Coffee. That's what I was going to suggest. And just walk around the Cars and Coffee with him. And this was one of the hard things for me as, as a car freak of taking it at his pace. That can be really hard. Because the car that may catch his eye is one where you're like, son, I don't care. Yeah. But he just may be boggled by that car right there that you're like, why? Why are we looking at this? But if that's what excites him, let him take cars and coffee at his own pace. Give him your phone to take pictures of the thank cars you. too. Yeah. Yes, that was my next thought. When he's old enough and you trust him, hand him a phone and have him take photos. They're going to be terrible. Who cares? Sure. Let him take photos because he's going to see other people, people taking photos. He can engage with the car at his level, which is lower than yours, and at his speed. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll find that really interesting. And the side note of that that happens, and I'm talking specifically cars and coffee, is, and I didn't, I didn't respect this initially when it happened enough with my son. He will also like it because it's time with you yeah. in something you like. Yeah. And certainly when he's young, that's going to resonate as well. Those are my initial thoughts. I have some other thoughts, but where, where so, else? You know, every son wants to be like dad. I mean, I just talked about mimicking mine with working on my certainly, Star Wheels Jeep. Certainly very early on, that's a mm-hmm. thing. You see what lights your dad up or spends his time for fun, and, mm-hmm. and that's something you want to be a part of. I was just like cars and coffees, the car shows, go look at the, the, the hot rods or whatever the, that case is. Um, you don't say where you are, but is there, is there a local track nearby? Whether that's you know a road course, an oval, autocross even, so that he can see the cars just like he sees them on TV. Uh, the other thing I thought, the obvious answer was Hot Wheels. Yes, so yes. He, I, and I, w- I would give him, here's the fun thing, go shopping with him. That's what my parents did. And see if Every there's a Hot Wheels that Every time we go shopping, until I don't know how old I was, but we'd go sh- grocery shopping. Like last shopping. week, right? <laughs> Pretty much. Y- yesterday <laughs> I was looking at him. Yeah. But uh, yeah, every time we'd go shopping, we'd, we'd get almost every time. They were, they were, you know, 79 cents or whatever they yeah. were. They're a dollar now. But it's a dollar. Get him a Hot Wheels each time. Let him mm. pick it. Yeah. That doesn't matter if it's the McLaren or if it's some weird, crazy dinosaur looking thing. Let he, him pick he the He bought Hot Wheels. the bus or whatever. Yeah. yeah that's cool. I, I love that. That's great. I think that definitely encourages. Speaking of buses, Hot Wheels has a slammed bus drift car looking thing right now you would you would be the one of us to know that for sure because you just so you know you know the strategy i don't have that one but i have seen that one around you were the person and and apparently i'm out of it you were the person that introduced me to all this hot wheel strategy yeah like when you show up when the deliveries come and you're looking for certain i had no idea that world existed i don't personally do that because it's but you're aware time but yeah there's people that show up you know when they're stocking shelves Mm -hmm. the boxes they come in have a code so you know what's in that box for when they were produced, and there, there's a thing. It's it's it's. I this, get why people do it. But this man, was a that's thing madness. I was not aware of until you informed me, and then I looked at a bit and got a little frightened. Uh, Trenton, <laughs> I also want to say this to you about carting. Carting, at least in our area, we have a place called K1 near us, and there may be one near you. But but there but carting places often are sometimes they're age based, but generally, especially for kids, they're height based. Yeah, true. So you may get around an age thing depending upon how tall your son is. My son was pretty tall, so we were able to get him into carts. I think it was, I think it was like the end of third grade, which was younger mm-hmm. than the age suggested, but he was tall enough. Right. So, so check into that as well. The the age thing, may, it may just be actually height based initially, but see what's 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 possible. Now, some places also have the the two seaters too. Yes. 
I did that with, with my son Bodie long before he could drive. We actually went to a karting place. I, I will say that you may bump into one of those, Trenton. This is what happened. We were on a vacation. I wasn't looking for car-related stuff, and I noticed there was a kart track that had a side-by-side two-seater, and I was like, well, we're going. <laughs> right. And he wanted to go. My son wanted to go. And what's hysterical is you have to accept the fact that you will be the slowest car on track. Oh, absolutely. Because it has You're no You're carrying more, around a lot more weight. It has no more power than the rest of the carts. It just is twice the cart. Yeah. So everyone will lap you multiple times, but you at least get the enjoyment. I remember my son telling me, Dad, go faster. I was like, buddy, my foot hurts. I'm pushing on the gas pedal so hard. The last thing I want to say, Trenton, is what kind of cars do you have or what kind of cars do you have access to? Just take your son on driving adventures. I think he'll enjoy that time with you. And and that's something that's definitely resonated with my son as well. And I want to come back to don't force this. Put your son in proximity because it's something you like, and hopefully that will help you build a car person. And, And it can be something for both of you guys. Oh, the questions. Thank you guys, as always, for engaging with us across the board. We do also have many questions that come in from our patrons on our Discord, and we really appreciate that. I'm going to say something that the patrons didn't know. I do look. <laughs> but but we do look typically on our social media accounts for questions. That's on uh, Mondays and Thursdays for our Tuesday and Friday podcast. So that's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We post them on all those places. We welcome them. Some of you send them in via email. I have a question that I want to start with because it's been rattling around in my head. And, I, and, and here's the other reason I have to start with it. I don't remember where I first read it. I've okay. read two or three questions in this vein. And I have to start here so I can't attribute it to a person, and I'm sorry. The questions are all along these lines. What is Toyota doing right with enthusiasts and auto journalists? The question goes further. It's like Toyota is getting all the love is the question. Subaru barely gets mentioned with the BRZ, and Toyota is the talk of the town with the GR86. Similarly, Toyota gets tons of press for the Supra, and BMW, by the way, does make a Z4. Nobody talks about it. Nobody, Nobody talks, talks about, about it. Nobody car. seems to buy it. What is Toyota doing right? This question, since I, I read it, has just been rolling around in my brain, and I love it so much, and I think I have an answer. I have a thought, too, actually, on that. What's, what's your thought? I'm wondering, you know, right now Toyota's doing their, their reveal of several things at once. Yes. So people can see several things at once. Traditionally, a lot of them are you go, you see one car, you get a couple laps, and you're done. Mm-hmm. With this one, they're showing you everything over three or four days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Toyota's bringing you in to get you excited about everything all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other companies, Subaru, BMW, whoever it is, they're focusing on what's hot right now. Yeah. And yeah. The, the BRZ was never really the one that was talked about to begin with. Mm-hmm. Even with the first car, people talked about it, but not nearly the same as the FRS mm-hmm. or an 86. Yeah. Um, same with the Z4. People didn't really care as much about the Supra coming out, partly because it's a Supra. Mm-hmm. It's got yeah. that name attached right. to it, whereas Z4, right. that doesn't really excite very many people. I think all of that is at play. I think there's other things at play, and that is where these companies are in how they want to be perceived. Because think about Toyota in the early 2000s. The early 2000s Toyota was the home of the Camry, boring but reliable, mm-hmm. the Prius, mm-hmm. boring but fuel efficient, and a sea of other things that followed along behind those two standard bearers. And they happened to have a Celica that got axed not yes. long after that. And they had trucks that will run forever. Right. But Toyota was known for one thing, reliability and beige in the early 2000s. <laughs> I mean, that's who they were. I, I had one. That's exactly who they were. And so that's who they were, and they built that reputation, and their cars aligned with that. Yeah. So fast forward to the last... Five years, maybe 10, but five for sure, okay? Akio Toyota comes in, takes over the company for real, and comes with a racing background and a racing interest, and he wants 
his cars under his company to be fun to drive. This has leaked all the way over to Lexus building a test track. That's true. Lexus. What is Lexus doing with their own test track? That makes no sense until you see Toyota morphing to be concerned about their cars being interesting and fun to drive. Now, there's things like a Prius or a Sienna minivan or a Highlander where their first, first focus is obviously not let's make them fun to drive. Yeah. But the evidence of the fact that there happens to even be a Camry TRD, why does that exist? Yeah, who knew the little wing on a Camry could look so good? (laughs) But this shows you the sea change at the company. Toyota is at a place right now where they want to be perceived as a company for driving fun. It's true. And there are three cars that are leading that more than anything else. The Supra partnered with BMW, mm-hmm. the the 86 partnered with, with uh, Subaru, mm-hmm. and then, of course, the Corolla, which is their own thing. But... Then they've also got the Forerunners and all the TRD Pro off-road true, stuff that's true, true. killing it right now, too. Yes. They're old, but they're killing it with that those old platforms. Absolutely. But the interesting thing is, look at what Subaru wants to be known for. They want to be known Safe, for safety reliable, and all-wheel drive. Rugged. Subaru has had other... Partial partners, GM being the famous one I want to bring up, because the only reason the Sabaru, it's not me mispronouncing Subaru, I'm aware what the difference is, the Saab 92X that I owned and I liked Mm -hmm. was a mid-2000s Subaru WRX in a better suit. And it was built because GM that owned about the same amount of, of Subaru that Toyota now owns said, hey, we want this car for Saab. Did Subaru have a need to build that car? No. But... The company that owned a good chunk of them said, we need this. And so Subaru said, okay. Toyota now owns this chunk of Subaru. And so they went to Subaru and said, we want to build a lightweight, affordable sports car. We need your help. We're going to do this. And Subaru agreed. But let's be honest. If you look at everything Subaru makes, what is the BRZ doing there? It's true. That's what I was going to say earlier, too, is you look at the rest of the lineup, it doesn't fit in with anything. There's, I hate to say it, but there's not really a lot of Subarus that excite most much of anybody. That's key. See, watch. and with BMW, yeah, the Z4 is cool, and it's not. It's actually a great car. Mm-hmm. They've got the M cars too, and so the Z4 kind of gets cast aside because it's it's the Z4, not an M3 or an M2 CS or yes. Those. You're heading everywhere that my thinking is going because Subaru, everything about what they're pushing as a brand does not align with what the BRZ is. I'm not glad it exists. Slightest. Yeah, but it's a rear wheel drive, so there's no all wheel drive. <laughs> Performance drivers sports car. Yeah, This is from the company that currently is no longer going to make the STI, and the new WRX looks like they tried to make it look more like the Outback. It's a cross-truck that they gave a car look to it. Yes, that's a great description. So Subaru is very specifically walking away from being a driving brand while Toyota is walking into it full bore. So this is why the 86 is all the talk of the town. The BRZ exists, thankfully, because the 86 needs to exist, but otherwise. The GR Corolla is kind of replacing the STI in a lot of ways. You're right. It, that's a great point. It absolutely it fills is. that slot well, nicely. Because the STI hasn't had a, a hatch for a while, and here comes the GR Corolla solving that too. And then the Z4 is also the oddball in BMW's lineup. It always has been, because yeah. Paul's made this point very well many times. BMW, in spite of the fact we think of them as a performance brand, is typically a brand that makes sedans. And True. then they take yeah. those sedans and make them very hot. Yeah. But they're typically making sedans. The two doors in the BMW lineup are the extreme exception, especially the small two doors. Mm-hmm. Pierce Brosnan was the big introduction for the Z3 
in the old Bond film, it was like, what is BMW doing now? And he and that didn't was, even drive it. Yeah, that, and that was the, the, the best era of BMW, was that late 90s, early 2000s was their best era. The Z4 is a car without a lineup right now, just like the BRZ is. That's true, yeah. That's a great point. I, it's been rattling around in my head. I hope that helps some. Good discussion, and I'm sure we'll come back. Jared Rose asked, uh, do I have any ambitions on getting back into Mustangs since I've got rid of mine? And if so, what model? I kind of do, yeah. Um, I really don't know which way I would go with it right now if I did. Um, with my budget, I think I can't really afford much of any of them right now anyway, but a Boss 302 would kind of mm. fit. But uh, I, I still really want a GT350. That's high on my list of someday to own a GT350. They're so cool. More often than not, I don't miss my Mustang. Interesting. I just okay. don't. Okay. Sometimes I do. Driving it and mm-hmm. the experience it gave me when I was driving it and it worked properly <laughs> was awesome. <laughs> Can't replace any of that. Project car woes. But here, I had the car for 20 years, and it sat for probably 15 of those 20 years, mm. you know? And I've said it before, every third time or so I drove it, something would break, and then it would have to be fixed or leave me stranded in a parking lot somewhere, and I'd yeah. make the yeah. par- parts store run and all that. I don't miss any of that. So, But I still love the old Mustang. I would love to get an old Fastback or something like that. But if I did, I'd want one that's you know pretty well sorted and not a project. <laughs> Totally get that. Peter, are you there? Asks a a loaded question here. He says, uh, what do we feel is the line for usable power during daily driving? Is the GR86 under the line? Is the Z over it? I mean, we can, we can go a long time on this. Uh, It's a loaded question. It is a loaded question. Peter, here, here is my definition and I'm not even going to tie it to a number. I think it depends on how you as a driver are actually able to use a car in your life. Because if you're in the middle of West Texas, with straight road to the horizon, you're going to use your car very differently than I do at high altitude with windy mountain roads. Versus someone that's in LA sitting on the 405 all the time. Agreed. The the reality of all of these cars for power is that that sells. This has more power than the last generation. And guess what? The zero to 60 went down. Yeah. These are things that sell. I get it. I think what I would like to see is that I would like car enthusiasts to be in a car where Power-wise, you are regularly able to have your foot to the floor. Yeah. I think if you've got a Hellcat or you have any Tesla, after you got past the first week or so of ownership of where you took it, come on, you got to go with me. Come on, i got to take all my friends. Yeah, the novelty wears off. I I don't think there's very many times when you're actually putting your foot to the floor. You know you have power, but you're never using it. Yeah. The thing I love about both my Lotus and our GR86 right now is the number of times that I have my foot to the carpet. And not, and not because I've got my foot to the carpet. This is the difference in the second Gen 86 versus the first one. Not because I've got my foot to the floor going, come on, come on, come on, this is ridiculous. It's not that. I'm actually satisfied in both those cars with my foot to the floor, but I'm actually thrilled I'm using all of it. Now, you may be a person where the way you drive, you can use 500 horsepower like that all the time. I kind of doubt it, but you may. Yeah. I love the fact that the the Lotus is 100 and, uh, 190 horsepower in 2,000 pounds worth of car. You get it on second cam, it feels quite fast. Yeah. And I can use the, all of the gas pedal a lot. The GR86 now at 228 horsepower and 2,800 pounds, I use that car all the time a lot. And I see people with AMGs or Hellcats or the Tesla Plaid, and I just think, other than saying you can, how often do you? True. Put your foot to the floor. I think for me, I want to be able to use the car's capabilities. And I'm also the weird guy that it can pull 1G on the skid pad. I'm going to go find out. 
<laughs> right. So I try to use that too. And to ground it even more, I've got that 2008 Mazda 3. Yeah, yeah. It's a five-speed mm-hmm. manual, 2.3. Uh-huh. It's the, the bigger engine of the day, but not mm-hmm. not the speed. So it's 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 like 153 horsepower, something like sure, that. Sure. Low, low 150s. It, on paper, it's a slow car. Mm-hmm. But in traffic, I can scoot around people on the freeway, no problem. Mm-hmm. I've been really impressed with its power and torque delivery in the mid-range of that car just to, to get around traffic. So you can't really put a number on it. Mm-hmm. It's more of how the car uses what it's got. Mm, interesting. And that was the big problem with the original 86 was that mid-range was not there. Uh, Ted Theo Logan asked me, uh, since I'm keeping the 911 and I'm currently about to engine swap it, I have an engine on the way, by the way. Craziness. Keep going. It'll be here next week. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> My really engine excited. just came in. Wow. Okay. Anyway. Uh, he says, are you planning to keep tracking it or am I still hesitant? <laughs> I know this answer. Keep going. The answer is no. I'm, I'm not hesitant at all. It's going <laughs> to it's gonna end up on a racetrack again, probably mm-hmm. later this year. But there's okay. still there's a couple things that, uh, that more preventative things I can do. Um, I'm still not sure why it blew up in the first place, but I know miles was a big part of that. Mm. And it was just worn out. The engine that's coming has 72,000 miles that was pulled from the... From flat six innovations, they're that shop I talked about last time. Uh-huh. My old engine does not qualify for their rebuild program because of its miles <laughs> and the nature of its failure. So uh, they called me one day, or no, it was through a, a Facebook message actually. Okay. The owner of the shop, he's like, "Hey, this engine just came in. A car came in. Guy drove it into my shop. I pulled it from the from the car from the car so that mm-hmm. I can put in one of my big block engines and or big grief. cylinder engines in it." And uh, he's like, it's it runs way too nice to use as a core. Do you want it? Wow. Like, well, yes, I do. That's a find, yeah. It's got less than half the miles on it than my car did when I bought it. Mm-hmm. I'm, it's already got the IMS done. It needs to remain swapped or changed. A couple other little things. So okay. I'm doing all the other preventative stuff that, you, sure, that sure. I should do with the engine out. But um, otherwise, yeah, I should, I should just be able to run it. Mm. And... Hit the ground running, I guess. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Amazing. I, I hope that is the project that, that once you get that engine, I hope it just runs, man. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah. I hope it's not the Mustang again for that's, you. That's what I'm, I'm hoping so, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. There are many, many questions on the new Z car. I, I want to kind of touch on a few real quick. Bruce has got one. Uh, Z32 twin turbo, I, I hear you, in Tennessee has got one. And G Fritz 410 has got one. Talking about the, our new upcoming Nissan Z versus GR86 piece and Z, the Z in general and where it is going in the pantheon of cars. A lot of that gets answered in that piece. But I wanted to touch on a few things real quickly. Um, what is up with the new Z being on the 370Z chassis? Is that good, bad, what's going on? The truth is we wouldn't have this car, Bruce, if it wasn't for them using that yeah. chassis. <laughs> Nissan is redoing their, and I'm not kidding, I'm not overstating, everything in their lineup using the parts they currently have. They are using the chassis of everything, and they are trying to refine them all and bring them forward. And by and large, in the stuff we've driven, they've done a surprisingly good job. When you hear that headline, you just go, Really? I honestly wonder if it's if it's to help buy them time so that they can actually research and develop new stuff. I think it absolutely is the case it's because everything was so old in the lineup and they went through so many so much turmoil in their ownership and that kind of stuff that they needed they were overdue. I mean, we make the 50th and uh, 40th and 50th anniversary joke with yeah. the Z car. They were overdue for all of it to be uh, refreshed. They're doing that. Most of them are improvements using the same ingredients, which is very impressive. So I it wouldn't exist at all. I would love Bruce, for the new Z to be a brand new car, 
but nothing in the Nissan lineup is, and I hope that Nissan gets enough engagement, enough cash flow in this updated versions of everything, all the stuff in their lineup, yeah. that we can have brand new stuff down the line. We'll see that. Uh, Z32 twin turbo, of course you're asking me, how does it compare to our car? The early yeah. mid-90s uh, Z twin turbo like I have, because of course I put, pictured them together. What's fascinating is you're looking at the two cars there that happen to have a 3-liter V6 twin turbo. It's the only two that had turbos. Exactly. Well, the, well, well, the there previous was the Z31 yes, had them too. Exactly, but there's the only 3-liter twin turbo V6 Z cars, yeah. and that links them together. The power is surprisingly similar. The delivery is surprisingly different because, of course, <laughs> the new one is the typical new turbos, which means they've got full torque below 2,000 RPM, and it just hangs out at this big plateau of torque. The cars from the 90s do not do that. It's nothing, nothing, nothing. A little bit of something and then a whole lot of turbo. Yeah. So, that, And I actually really love that power delivery, the old school style. But this, the new stuff, I've been talking with a few people about this. I feel like new turbos are designed to feel like the, the um, acceleration of an electric car. We're all getting used to that uninterrupted, just constant shove. And the new turbo tuning kind of does that. Yeah. I did not do a full breakdown of the... 90s 300 I have and the new Z. I didn't do a full review because I would like to do a larger generational piece when that would make sense. Mm -hmm. Right now it feels like other than the fact they have similar engines, it feels like a kind of a piece that got cobbled together because I own one of them and I do and I like it. So we'll see if that comes back around. And then that Z piece, last question here on this, that Z piece against the GR86 is the last episode season of season 11. It is episode six. So it'll come out. Let me think about this. I'm doing math early August. That'll be out on TV then it mm-hmm. will follow to Amazon Prime. Then it will follow to YouTube in the in the six weeks to two, two months following that. So it is all on the way along with 86 content we shot and don't even have it out yet. There's a lot of stuff coming. There's a lot of stuff coming. We're doing a lot of editing right now. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy editing. Thank you guys so much for joining us. What, what else did you have? I had one more. Revs Up was asking about uh, polarized lenses, polarized sunglasses specifically. Um, figured since our camera knowledge together, whether or not we can answer this. Okay. Said he's read recently that polarized Lenses can mess with your depth perception. I have not heard that before. I wear them a lot. I haven't noticed that really personally. Yeah, I haven't noticed that before either. Uh, mostly what they do is they cut different light out. Mm-hmm. It's With photography, it mostly cuts out reflections. Mm-hmm. So it helps even out the light. And you can see that with, uh, with sunglasses too. That's why yes. um, somebody else mentioned when you, it might have been you, somebody else mentioned um, when they see like headlights of a car or you can see the window tint glue and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's because of the sunglasses. It's not, yeah. that's actually there. You could just now see it because it's cutting out different light so that's, that you can yeah, see it. That's a good point. The only thing I really don't like about polarized sunglasses, and it's becoming more and more of a problem, is the fact that 90% of the time, I don't know that a car has a heads-up display because yeah. so polarized sunglasses completely kill it. Not like mostly kill it. Like, it's gone. Right. So I it's was true. in, we have this Golf R right now, and it, I was literally, the second day of driving it, I went, oh, it does have a heads-up display because I have to take my sunglasses is, off for a reason. Which is weird. You'd think that car companies, their test drivers would have, you know, be wearing glasses like that. Why don't they... How come they haven't figured that you, one out? You think they figured a way around it? Some people, like BMW, for example, uh, the last one of those I was in, I could kind of, I could half see the heads up. It like shaded it. It like put yeah. it, put a, a glass down over it, but I could still see it was there. Sometimes but, you just tilt your head forty five degrees. Yeah. And, oh, there, there it is. Oh, look, <laughs> heads up display, guys. Thank you so much for being with us, Chance. Thanks for being on, man. I appreciate yeah, you being here. Of course, I'm sure Chance will be back before too long because Paul and I every now and then we we separate, we go different ways, and we can't both be here. But we love being with you on Mondays and sorry, Tuesdays and Fridays. Remember, there is that Wednesday test drive will keep happening. That's audio only. Thank you for the response on that. Rate and review when you get the chance, and I. I have to say it now because Paul's not here. 
We're looking forward to next time. Cheers, everybody.